Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Luke chapter number 10. The gospel is the theme of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. We see God revealing himself to man. And sometimes when we think of missions, we think of, well, maybe there's a couple of good missions passages, but because the gospel is throughout the Bible and getting God's name known is throughout the Bible, really there's principles of missions in every story and every account uh, just about from, from the beginning to the end of the Bible. And I want to focus here on the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter number 10. And I'd like to make some applications that apply to missions. And uh, before I go any farther, I just want to say thank you to, to Pastor Tyler for the invitation to come. Uh, when I talked to him on the phone, I said, hey, just so you know, I'm in Honduras right now, but I'm willing to come out there. And, and I'm so thankful that you were uh, willing to let me come. And uh, a flight to Honduras is not very expensive. And I was able to share that with him. And, and uh, here I am. And uh, that means you can come there just as easy as I came here. So you can come visit us and get to know some of the people that you saw in the video. Uh, and uh, thank you for the hospitality. The hotel was, was wonderful, and, and uh, I talked to the lady. She said there was some connection in the church or somebody, and I don't know who you are, but thank you. It was wonderful. I got to meet, there's a Spanish store down the road from the hotel, and I got to meet some Hondurans there. There's a big Honduran flag painted on the side of it, and I uh, got to chat with them, and the lady that was in there is from the same state in Honduras where we live, and she wanted to make me food, but I just ate, so uh, maybe I'll go back there sometime. And uh, praise the Lord for that. All right, Luke chapter number 10. Let's begin reading in verse number 30. The Bible says this, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell uh, among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Let's stop there and ask God's blessing on our time together this morning. Lord, I'm honored to be able to preach your word this morning. And I'm thankful for each and every one that's come to church to hear from the word of God. Lord, I pray that for the next few minutes, you'd free us from distraction. Lord, you'd open our minds and open our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would not be hearers just of the truth that's here in this passage, but Lord, may we be moved to action as we consider your word. Lord, I pray that you'd work in spite of me. I pray that you'd work through me. I pray that the next 20, 30 minutes we have together would be life-changing for someone. Thank you for the power of your word. I pray that you use it this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here we have a story of a certain man. We don't know his name. We just find that he's on a journey between two places. And I don't know if he had to go visit a family member. I don't know if he was on a work-related visit. But we don't need to know that. All we know is here's a man who's nameless, that he's busy with life. There's a lot of people that are busy with life. We get busy with life, don't we? You get out on the highways and you go to the stores and you see people walking around everywhere and busy and we don't know who they are, but people are just busy with life. The Bible says that this man fell among thieves. Doesn't seem like he was hanging out with thieves and that's why he got messed up with thieves. Doesn't sound like he was looking for problems. He was just going about his own life the best he knew how and what life gave him was problems. And he fell among this situation, uh, which the Bible says uh, began that the men stripped him of his raiment. They, they took from him and left him uh, in, a, in, in humiliation and embarrassment. The Bible says they wounded him and they departed, leaving him half dead. 
And I couldn't help but as I read this description, think about so many Hondurans. They didn't decide to be born in a poor country. They didn't decide to have parents that were going to be uninterested in their life. Most people in Honduras are just worried about living their life just like we are. They all want to get a cell phone. Even if they don't have a, a concrete floor, they just have a dirt floor. They want to get a cell phone. They just want to get through life. They just want to have things and, and have a happy life and one day have a better house and maybe one day have a motorcycle or a car. That's the dream that they have. They're going about their life, but the Bible says that these thieves, they stripped him, they left him in a situation that was embarrassing. You know, the truth is, many Hondurans are embarrassed about their life. If you were to come to their house and walk in their house and see that there's one room with no furniture and a hammock, and two or three people live in that room and the chickens are running through, they get embarrassed when Americans see that. When, they, when we learn about their situations and the heartbreak and the abandonment, the Bible says that this man was wounded. There's some serious wounds. Many times emotionally, psychologically, that are left on the people of Honduras with all the abuse that happens there. There's, there's many crimes that are committed that are never investigated. There's, uh, there's a lot of uh, physical abuse and sexual abuse. The Bible says that they wounded this man and then they departed. You know, there's times that people think that the world is going to be their friend. And for just a little bit, they'll be with people. And, you know, I don't know that when this man fell among thieves for just a moment, maybe the thief said, who are you and why are you here? And he tried to maybe be friends with them. Friend, I don't know. But many times as we are in the world, the world will, will hurt us and the world will leave us alone. I'm sure in Panama City, there's people here that they were born in Panama City. They want to live a good life. And somehow along the way, they get involved, maybe drugs or alcohol. And everybody's left them. They're alone. And they're hurt. And then everybody's left them alone. Look at this. The Bible says that they left this man half dead. What a description. So here we've got a man that's been attacked by thieves. He's been humiliated. He's been embarrassed. He's been hurt physically. They leave him alone. And the Bible says he's half dead. I don't know if that's a medical description, but I get the idea here that he's just as close to dying as he is to living. I mean, it would have been just as easy for the story to end it here and here if nobody helped him. I don't know that this man would have survived. I think this man was in a situation that with help he could live and without help he would die. And I think about how many people in this world without the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have no hope for eternity. I think of this mountain village in Pacheco where there's, there's, there's kids and there's, you, you go up there and you'll have little girls and little boys come out and they'll stare at the American and they'll, they'll have a big smile on their face and if they get the gospel, there's people there that no doubt will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. But if the gospel doesn't get to their village, they'll die lost in their sin. This man's half dead. And I think of the needs of this world. There's so many people that are in this situation spiritually. They've been hurt by the world. They've been abused by the world. They've been left by the world and they're in a situation that without help, they'll die lost with help. They could understand and be gloriously saved. We find this story of the Good Samaritan and I want to share with you a few things as we go through this story this morning. The Bible says in verse 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, we think of a priest, we might think of another religion, but in this time, this was a religious leader, someone that, should have cared about people. Sometimes we come to church and 
I'm sure it's never the pastor's intention to avoid us or ignore us, but sometimes the pastor doesn't know about every need. Sometimes someone that we think should care about us is occupied with something else and they don't notice what's going on. And there's many times, no doubt, Christians come to church and we don't even consider the fact that about half of the world has never one time heard the name Jesus Christ. Oh, we can come to church and we can, we can hear the beautiful music and we can sing the songs and we can come to this beautiful auditorium and it, it, what a blessing it is. But we can, in the, in, in the Christianity that we live, sometimes forget about the needs that are around us. This religious man, this religious leader, he walked on by. The Bible says in verse 32, likewise, a Levite, this is a religious crowd, a religious group of people. The, the tribe of, of Levite was, uh, was a special uh, religious group. When he was at the place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. You may not be a leader in the church, but you're a religious person. You come to church faithfully. You read your Bible. You try to do right. You try to live by the commandments of the Bible. And, and many times, us as a religious, and, and we try to be godly people, we, we go through the motions of life, but we forget about those hurting around us. The Bible says this, verse 33, there was a certain Samaritan. You study your history, the Samaritans weren't looked on favorably. Uh, they were kind of the outcasts of society. There were some that were, that were born again. You remember Jesus witnessing to the woman at the well? She was from Samaria. Remember when she got the gospel, what did she do? She went back and she told everybody about this Jesus Christ that knew everything that she'd ever done and, 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 and how he was the savior of the world. And no doubt there were people that were born again in Samaria. I think perhaps this man was one of them. The Samaritan, we don't find that he was a religious man specifically. We don't, in the sense that he wasn't necessarily part of a religious group at that time. We don't find that he was a leader of anything. I think uh, in our culture, we kind of consider this just kind of your average blue collar worker. You know, maybe the kind of guy that changes oil at the, the, the local mechanic shop. His name's probably Joe or something like that. He's a super nice guy, but nobody really is going to him to figure out their lives. But here's a man that is a normal guy, not necessarily a leader or, or some religious figure, but a normal, everyday Samaritan, probably named Joe. The Bible says this Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. Now, there's a missions thought there that if we're going to help people, we've got to go where they are. We can't expect the lost world to come into the church. There's Hondurans in Panama City, but they don't know English, and they're not coming into your church to hear the gospel. This Samaritan was able to help this man who was sick because he came where this man was. And when he saw him, the Bible says this, he had compassion on him. I want to give you three thoughts quickly. If we're going to be a, 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 a church that cares about people, if we're going to be a missions-minded individual, if we're going to have the characteristics of a good neighbor, number one, we need to have compassion. See, the, the, the priest passed by and the Levite passed by and they saw the situation and they saw the need and they saw this man hurting and after they saw it, they looked away. It was uncomfortable for them. Many times it, we see the needs and hear the needs in, in different places. Last week you heard about Nicaragua and today you hear about Honduras or maybe you're watching uh, and, and you see those emotional uh, uh, commercials on TV about people hungry in different places and when we are... Faced with these needs, we just, I don't, I don't know about that. My life's pretty busy as it is. We look away and we ignore it. But here we find a man who didn't look away and didn't walk away. 
but a man that had compassion. There's Bible verses that missionaries and pastors preach on about giving, and that's part of missions. It's a real part of missions. But really, we don't have a giving problem as much as we have a caring problem. It's amazing how our lives can end up revolving around us, even as believers. We're concerned about our church and our buildings and our properties and our families. And, and not that we shouldn't be, but we've become self-centered. When God gave the local church the Great Commission, He gave it as a command with the expectation that it would be obeyed. The Bible said to bring the gospel to every creature and to every place. And He didn't say, well, just get involved in it and that's good enough. He gave the expectation that we would accomplish the Great Commission. Many times we're satisfied, oh, we have a missions program, we'll praise the Lord, but we ought to be concerned about how are we going to get the gospel where it hasn't gone? How can we be satisfied that between 40 and 50% of the world has never heard the name Jesus Christ? I remember a missionary uh, years ago was preaching and he went to India on a missions trip and there's the gospel's in India, but there's parts of India that the gospel has not gotten to. And he printed out a picture of a cross and he would go through India and he would show people the picture of the cross and he would say, do you know what this is? And he couldn't find in that week that he was there one person that had ever seen the picture of the cross. We can go about the motions of Christianity, but do we, do we care? Do we have compassion? This man, this man as he journeyed, came where he was when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Do you know why I believe that it's important to go on a mission trip? It's one thing to see pictures of these kids on the screen, but it's another thing to have them, have them hugging on you and knowing their name and knowing their story. It's, it's a very difficult thing to know that child and to walk away and not consider the needs of that young person. I remember years ago, I had a mission trip uh, when I was pastoring. We took a trip and we had, we had about 15, 20 people with us and we were helping an orphanage that had about 100 kids. And in the morning, we, we had our breakfast and we were all in the back of a pickup truck about to go help put a tile floor into a new church. And we were driving down this dirt road and the national pastor was in the truck and he stopped and there was another man that was walking down the road with a young boy and they were, they were screaming at each other and back then I didn't know any Spanish trying to figure out what was happening. What was happening is that dad didn't want his son anymore. This young man had about, was about 10 years old. And the dad was saying, you're good for nothing. I hate you. I never want to see you again. And was kicking and shoving his son. Giving his son to this orphanage. Remember that national pastor grabbed this young man named Orlean in a big bear hug. And the dad walked off. And tears began streaming down this young man's face. We had a group of teenagers from suburb places in Connecticut. And they saw that for the first time. And they put Orlean in the back of the truck with us, and he came with us that day, and we realized what was going on, and the teenagers started to love on Orlean. Every time we went anywhere, we'd bring Orlean with us for the week. We'd buy him ice creams. We'd try to tell him that, you know, the best we could. We didn't know any Spanish, but we tried to love on him. Remember at the end of that week when we left, Orlean didn't have anybody, didn't know anybody else. The tears were streaming down in his face again. And he was asking through other people, when are you coming back? When am I going to see you again? And we didn't know. And that affected the hearts of our teenagers. That affected my heart. And I've been able to go back and, and see him again. But there's young people just like Orlean all over Honduras. I could tell you story after story of the kids that are on our property. One thing to 
say, yes, there's needs, and we all would say, amen, Brother Chris. I, I know that there's needs, but it's another thing to know somebody, know their name. See, this man, this Samaritan, was an ordinary person, but he was able to impact somebody in such a great way because he cared. You'll never give more towards missions until you care more for missions. We find that this man had compassion, number one. Number two, this man took responsibility. Look at verse 34. The Bible says, this good Samaritan went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. There was no law that said he had to help. There was no responsibility that he had because of his occupation. He wasn't an EMT or, or something like that. This man saw a need and he said, I'm going to take responsibility for a need. I, I know that somebody's got to do something. Somebody's got to help this person. It might as well be me. You know, we, we unfortunately have a generation of people that when we see needs, we're the first to say, well, it's somebody else's problem. We've got memes on the internet where I've seen people are painting the lines in the highways and there's a branch that's fallen and instead of getting off and moving the branch away. I, I was the worst at that. I remember cutting grass when I was a kid and there was some piece of trash. I didn't want to get off the tractor and, and go pick up the trash. So I just drive over it and spray white paper all over the lawn. And my dad would say, you know, that was really lazy of you. You could have, could have done better. But the truth is we've, we've kind of become uh, self-centered. We're worried about our things and our families and our situations and we're rarely are willing to take responsibility for something uh, beyond our sphere of influence. And here's a man that said, I'm going to have compassion, but I'm going to take responsibility. You know what we need? We need churches that take responsibility for getting the gospel to the world. We need, we need individuals and families that you don't have to have a title in the church and you don't have to, uh, maybe you're not wearing a tie and a jacket and looking like you're the pastor or something like that, but maybe you're a believer in the Lord and you know that God's been good to you and you, you could make a decision, I know about a need. I know about a need in the church. I know about a need in Honduras. I know about a situation. And I don't have to do anything, but I can choose to take responsibility. Here's a man, a Samaritan man, a man that nobody was looking to for help. But look at all he did. The Bible says he, he bound up his wounds. He poured in oil and wine. That cost him time. That cost him resources. The Bible says he set him on his own beast. That'd be equivalent to you lending your car to a guy that you didn't know very well. Bible says, brought him to an inn and took care of him. So here's a man, he's saying, look, I, I don't know this guy. I don't know the situation. I don't know why he's in the ditch. Probably it's his own fault. I don't know. But I see a need and I'm going to take the initiative to be responsible for it. That's how missions is going to get accomplished. Now look at this. There's a missions example in verse 35 that's incredible. This is an illustration that comes, it seems like it, it, it relates so well to missions in the age that we live. The Bible says in verse 35, and on the morrow when he departed. So this good Samaritan, he can't stay there forever. He doesn't have, you know, full support coming in to have this ministry to help people on the side of the road. He's a busy guy, probably helping when he can help, but he can't do this full time. That's not his life. That's not his job. But it says on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. That was a day or two's wages in that time. It says he gave them to the host. So he goes to the front desk of this hotel and says, sorry to bother you, but there's a sick guy that I've been taking care of. And I've got to go to work tomorrow morning and I can't take care of him, but I'd like to pay you to take care of him for me. I'd like to give you what you need to make sure that he's going to be okay, that he's going to continue to recover. 
He said, take care of him whatsoever thou spendest more. When I come again, I will repay thee. Don't you want somebody to tell you that someday? Hey, anything you need, I'll cover. If you use more money than I gave you right now, no worries. It's unlimited. Whatever you need, I'll take care of. That's what this man said. You take care of him. Take this. This is what I've got right now. You use that for him. And if you need anything else, when I come back, I'm going to take care of you. You see the picture of missions there? When you watch the video of Honduras, I, I, I don't know about you, every time I watch a missionary presentation, I want to go to that field, don't you? I, I was just watching a friend of mine who's in Romania, and they've got a children's home there, and he was showing the church, and I thought, man, I want to go to Romania and visit. That looks like a really neat place to go. Some of you have, have been to Honduras, some of you have never been, and some of you, really, your health couldn't permit you to go, or, or the finances couldn't permit you to go. I understand that. Here's a man that obviously was burdened about helping his new friend, but he couldn't stay. So you know what he did? He helped somebody go in his place. Don't you wish you could know Arlene personally? I wish I could have brought him with me. Wouldn't that be neat if I could say it? And he's right here. I wish you could all come with me on a trip to Honduras and know these people. It would change your life. I don't think it's feasible for all of us to get on a plane together and go back to Honduras. I wish it was. But you know, you can care for people just like Orlean. That's what missions is. Missions is saying, I can't go to Pacheco. I don't know where that mountain is. I couldn't even find it on a map. But Brother Chris, I know there's a need there. I want to take responsibility for it. I want to help make sure that there's a church planted in this place that has no church. And I want to take responsibility for that through praying and through giving. But Brother Chris, I can't go to Honduras, but will you go for me? Mission's example. That's exactly what's happening here. There's three, char three characteristics of this good Samaritan, of a good neighbor. Number one is compassion. Number two is he took responsibility. And number three is he gave generously. It cost him something to pay these two days' wages. It cost him something to say, hey, anything you need, I'm going to pay you again. This wasn't a one-time gift. This was something that this man was going to need to recuperate and he was going to need help for a little bit longer. We see generosity. You know what makes a difference? Generosity. Being generous. The Bible talks about the qualifications of a pastor and there's a, a big list there and some of them we know more than others, but you know what one of the qualifications is of a pastor? Hospitality. We sometimes overlook that because, you know, we think, oh, well, everybody's pastor should be friendly, but the Bible says that if you're going to lead God's people, you need to have this hospitality, this generosity. Giving is a spiritual gift, but hospitality, generosity is something we can all practice, isn't it? Having an open home and reaching to our neighbors. I hope here in Panama City, you've invited your neighbors into your home for a meal. I hope that, that your coworkers know that you care enough about them to not just invite them to church, but develop a relationship with them in order to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But do you know that the way that missions is accomplished is not through excess. It's not saying, all right, well, here's our budget for the church, and if we have anything extra at the end of the year, well, we'll send that to missions. No, the, the work of God is accomplished by men like this good Samaritan that was generous, that took what was his. In Sunday school, I talked about a verse in Proverbs that says, when we lend unto the Lord, God will repay us. And that's true, that as we give, God gives to us so that we can keep on giving. As a church, if we get involved in missions and we give generously, our church is not going to be struggling because of that. We might be struggling for a number of other reasons, but we're not going to struggle because of our missions program. There's a church 
that, that I know the pastor well. He took a church in a rural part of Pennsylvania years ago. The church had about 10, 12 people when he came as pastor. And he was there for about 10 years, and when he left, the church was running about 500 people. It had grown tremendously. I've never known a church that did more for missions. The last year he pastored, that church gave over a million dollars for missions. Every year, they'd go on two mission trips. And they had a policy in their church. Every time there was a financial need in their church, they would take on a mission. They, they, would, they would look at the budget. I'm like, we don't, I don't know how we're going to pay for this light bill. I don't know how, let's take on a missionary. Now, I'm not saying every church should do that. I don't think I would have the faith to do that if I was the pastor. But God bless that church. Missions is about, care, uh, about caring, about compassion. It's about taking responsibility. And it's about giving generously. It's about giving something that costs us something. Uh, really, uh, we, we, we say... So somebody did a study about the average person in a, in a church like ours, that how much they would give. And the average member of a church like this gives an average of $12 a year towards missions, the average individual. For some people, $12 a month, I'm sorry. Well, that's helpful. I think that we can do more. I'm amazed when I come back to the States at how much prices have gone up, right? I, I don't live here. I'm back and forth to the States some, but man, prices are a lot higher than I remember them. <laughs> Bing, and I get used to Honduran prices where I can take uh, the 12 on the property out to dinner and everybody can eat uh, chicken dinner for like everything. I mean, all 12 of us, it costs maybe like $30 total. And I, I came, I was at the airport and of course everything's expensive at the airport. I was in Atlanta and I got Chinese food and it was $20 just for me. And I thought, my goodness, how much things have gone up in price. And so we think about, oh, I can make a sacrifice for missions and I'll give a little bit here, but I don't want to give if it hurts. But this man gave what was his own. He used what was his, the resources God gave him. You know that as we consider the Great Commission, God has given us the resources we need to accomplish what he's told us to do. He has. We just get selfish with it. Uh, uh, Charles Keene, uh, some of you know the name, he, he's done mission work for years and he's, a great, he's written books on missions and he said everything that God ever created, he created in six days. And he told missionaries, that, he tells missionaries that are going out on deputation to raise funds, every bit of support, every bit of needs that you have, everything God's created is, is already created. It's out there. You just have to go get it. Everything that we need to get the gospel to the world, we have. Sometimes, uh, you know, I, I remember pastoring and you think, boy, if, if our church was at this level, we could do this ministry and we could have this work and we could go on mission trips and we could build this building, we could do this thing, this work or this work. But really, it's not just a matter of having more resources. It's a matter of being generous with what we do have and trusting God that God's going to provide. And here's a man whose name was probably Joe. He's a good Samaritan. He's a normal guy. He's not a leader. He's not, he's not necessarily the most faithful church member or anything like that. We don't see anything like that here in this story, but we find that this good Samaritan that I believe knew Jesus Christ as his Savior and knew how God had touched his heart he said, I'm going to care about people. I'm going to live compassionately. I'm going to take responsibility for the needs that I see. The truth is, you're not going to be able to help every single person that comes through the church. You're not going to be able to help every missionary that you hear about. But when God puts a burden on your heart, you can look to it or you can look away from it. You can say, I hope, hope somebody does something, or you can say, I'm going to take responsibility. And then we can be generous. And as we would do those th three things, we have compassion, we take responsibility, and we live generously, we're going to see lives change.
tell you a story and I'll be done about, about a girl I've known in Honduras for a long time. I met her on mission trip, and her name's Cynthia. I've known her since she was about 10 years old. She was abandoned by, by her mom. Her sister and mom live in Atlanta. Her, she's got two brothers in Mexico trying to get to the States. And she was raised in our home, in the home there in Honduras. She wasn't saved. Many times I'd witnessed to her, and she didn't want to get saved. She knew the gospel. She was in church all the time. She knew the gospel. She could have led somebody else to the Lord, but she would say, I don't want Christ because I know that I don't want to live right, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. Told me she didn't really understand the gospel of grace completely, but she didn't, she didn't want to trust God. And I remember this one day when, when you deal with teenagers that have problems, uh, there's a lot of drama. We have a lot of teenagers, teenage boys, teenage girls, younger kids. There's, there's days that are very difficult. And this one day, these two, two girls on the property were fighting. I mean, it was like hair pulling and bloody noses, and it was not a good day. And that, that after that settled down a little bit and there wasn't any physical problems going on, uh, there was a lot of tears going on and things like that. And, and I, remember, uh, I remember knocking on the door to where this person was that we've known for years, and I said, can I talk to you? No. I said, you're going to leave and you're lost and you know it. And I said, you're going to get out of this place and you're going to be around lost people. You're going to be around sin. You're going to be around difficult situations and you're not going to be exposed to the gospel. And I said, I'm not so worried about what's going to happen to your life, but I'm worried about what's going to happen to your soul. You're not saved. In that moment, it was, I was crying. Um, somebody we've known for years and got real quiet. So I just sat there and prayed. About 20, 20 30 minutes later, Brother Chris, Spanish, but Brother Chris, yes, I'm ready. And I said, for what? I need to trust Christ as my Savior. And so with the door shut, and she's inside the building, I'm outside the building, uh, this young lady trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. After she got saved, she was baptized, and she started worrying about her family that wasn't saved. She has a mom that lives, or a grandmother that lives three hours away that's dying of cancer. She said, my grandma's not saved and she's going to die. The grandma wants to come see me before she dies so she can see where I live. She's coming this, this Sunday on a bus. And she said, please talk to her about the gospel. And I went to our national pastor too and said, we need to talk to this lady. When she comes to church Sunday, she'll be at the church. That Sunday came, she was in the property, but she was too sick to come to church. So on my front porch, I've got this, this hammock that you do in Honduras. And she was in the hammock, and after church, pastor went up and talked with her, and I kind of shoot everybody away, said, you know, let them talk. We're sticking around the corner. And this elderly lady that's dying of cancer, Cynthia's grandma, trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And these, these accounts of victory, they happen. Why? You care. You take responsibility. And you give generously. And God will bless. I hope that the, the history that's told one day at Fellowship Baptist Church is we care. We care about our community. We care about missions. I hope the history that's told about Fellowship Baptist Church is a church that we're going to take responsibility to get the gospel to the world. 
not just going to be one program of our church because that's the tradition of Baptist churches. No, we're, we're going to take responsibility for things. And I hope that the history of this church is a history of generosity. We don't need to have millionaires and billionaires in the church. If you have that, praise the Lord. But God uses ordinary people. God uses Samaritans. You say, well, I don't know what I could do for world missions. I don't know how I could impact anybody in Honduras. You know, I've got a nine-to-five job, and I don't have a lot of extra care. Take Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.